I'm Tommy Thompson, and you're listening to Space for Life, a podcast with honest conversations designed to help cultivate the space we need for a more fulfilling and abundant life. Despite our culture being wired for excess and overload, our souls desperately need the opposite. Thanks for joining us today as we seek to take one more step into a spacious life. Hi, everyone. This is Patricia Clark, and I am here with Tommy Thompson, and I'm really excited about this episode today. I've actually been thinking about this concept for years, and when you said we were going to talk about it, I was really excited because you're putting new language and adding some new dimension to some of the stuff I've already been thinking about. So the topic for today is the power of restraint, the power of restraint. What are we going to do with this topic? Tell us where we're going, Tommy. Well, I, the first thing I have to admit is is this is uh, a topic that uh, that I've been learning and processing and mulling on now for a while, but still is very much kind of in formation. So uh, this kind of is going to need to be a, a little bit of a messy conversation, as opposed to something that that is is crisp and all put together. So. So if you're listening, you might have to just be patient with kind of learning along with with us on uh, on this topic. So I love the topic, though, and it came out of some of my reading in in Proverbs, particularly where I saw this continual theme of the benefit that comes when we voluntarily restrain ourselves. Uh, And also seeing within Proverbs, so many Proverbs that have this phrase that we tend to bristle in in our culture, and it's the do not, the do not do this. And we hear that with such a moralism in our day. And yet, as I started to see that that pervades Proverbs, I started to to get this sense that there's something else that's that's more substantial, that's powerful coming through than just trying to prohibit us from something that we want to do. And so that's what got my wheels turning to begin to see that there's a power that we can uh, tap into if we learn appropriate ways to restrain ourselves. So we're going to talk specifically about restraint when it comes to restraining words, when it talks to comes to talking about restraining particular actions in our lives, and even when we get into our thought and emotional life. Yeah, and I think that this concept of restraint or limits like you said, we tend to bristle at it because we think of it as no for the sake of no. But the one of the main points that I want for people to hear in this and for people to come to understand in all these different areas of life is that it is no for the sake of a yes. We are saying no to ourselves. We're practicing restraint for the sake of a yes in an area that we want to um, say yes to. And, you know, nature... Uh, corroborates this a lot. Like if you think about rain that falls and it just disseminates into the earth, but a river has banks. The banks of a river is what allows the river to have 
force to rise up, for us to put boats on it, for us to have movement. And it's because there are limits to the water. And because of that, it forms this depth. And there's so many things that can happen with the river. And so there's this there's this way that we see this in nature, but we also see it in humanity. And I wanted to share this historical uh, fact that I think is fascinating. And that is that when polygamy, which used to be the norm historically, was became culturally unacceptable and monogamy became the norm, historically civilization began to flourish. And there were innovations in all different fields, science, art, um, literature, because that energy that was being disseminated through like multiple marriages, you know, just all that creative energy was put within limits. And what happened is that there was flourishing in other areas. So that concept applies in so many areas of life, but let's narrow it down to how we live our lives day to day with our words, actions, and thoughts. So what would you say about restraining our words? I think when it comes to our words, we've uh, we've got it gotten very uh, loose with words uh, where we have come to mistaken saying everything that's on our mind with honesty. Hmm. And so, like, one of the phrases that I've heard used a lot uh, is the phrase radical candor. Hmm. Um, and there's, there's a book out. And there's a truth to radical candor. But so often, a phrase like that or phrases that we use in conversations with people we love, we excuse as just being honest just saying what we really think or feel rather than restraining ourselves from things that serve no purpose or do tremendous damage. Hmm. So we speak words of judgment or we speak words of gossip, although we would never call our words gossip, or we speak words of provocation to people and we immediately write these words off uh, as, as if, well, we're just being honest. So there's one whole category of words where we and our relationships would benefit tremendously if we chose to just practice holding back those words. Uh, you know, my parents always used to say, if you if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Mm -hmm. And it's actually tremendous wisdom because so many of the words are, that we have to say are either meaningless or they're really not very nice words. Mm -hmm. But we just feel like we got to get it out of our system. And wisdom and character suggest that we need to practice restraint. And that restraint is a tremendously good, useful quality for ex expressing love. Actually, practicing restraint is expressing love often. Yeah, there's a, um, a proverb that I love. It says, where words are many, sin is not absent. And 
there are so many situations in life where whether you're just with somebody and there's this that, you know, you don't really have anything useful or interesting to say. So we tend to fill that space with needless words. And sometimes needless words can just take us down the wrong path. They're not helpful. So just the idea of embracing the pause, you know, if you're in the kind of relationship where you can be quiet and sit with someone and not filling it with needless words. Absolutely. And and I've, I've become more and more aware that often my speaking out just even in casual conversations, is my subtle way of trying to elevate myself, Hmm. you know, either elevate my wisdom or my uh, interest or or whatever it is. Uh, So I love Dallas Willard, um, great kind of philosopher, theologian, uh, talked about practicing the discipline of not having the last word. Hmm. And I, I think that's just... It's kind of a genius to that. And it's all about, you know, as, as you said with that proverb, it's about choosing restraint, you know, with the words that we use. And that's often most important with the people we love the most. It's those words that we need to restrain that creates the space and perhaps the uh, ability to pause and think, what might be encouraging words that I could use in its place? Yeah, and two more little things with words. Uh, Paul Miller, one of my favorite writers, talks about uh, abstaining from taking credit, abstaining from from like using your words to make sure you get credit for something that you did. And another thing that comes from the Proverbs is um, never use your words to praise yourself. Let other people yes. praise you. Uh, and you see this a lot with athletes. I also see it with kids and teenagers that if they're good at something, they're quick to, you know, it's different if it's your parents and you want, you know, you tell your parents you're proud of something, but you'll hear these young boys who are really good at something and they kind of brag a little and it's very off-putting and you see it with athletes, professional athletes, a lot bragging a little and it's so much more becoming to restrain from that, never toot your own horn. And I'll, and what it does is in that space, it invites other people to praise you, which in the end is so much better. Yeah. So what would be a, a great practice for people with this is to to try to identify in their own lives one category of words that they find themselves falling into. It might be that elevating themselves, praising themselves, that they go, you know, that's really not a very attractive quality and it's not helpful. I think I'm going to stop that. that, I'm going to start to restrain those words. Or it might be that you realize that you've got this incredible judgmental tendency. Mm -hmm. And it comes out in the words that you use in normal conversation. You say, you know, those are the words I'm going to start restraining. Yeah, critic, criticism, negativity, argumentativeness, all of these things. That, and, and I think the point, though, is that when we identify them and we restrain them, there's going to be a new feeling that you have inside, whether it's Um, a pause in a conversation and that feels uncomfortable, whether you're restraining words of anger or criticism. And what happens when we restrain is that there's a a moment that we need to pay attention to. How are we feeling when we no longer indulge with these words? And what 
can we learn from that feeling? How can we redirect it? Yeah, that's it, so good. And and I you can almost compare it to like eating a meal. Uh, and we've all had an experience, or I think most all of us have had an experience, where we eat so much of a main meal that we have no room for dessert. And restraint is kind of that, and it can apply with words where we choose to eat less. And in doing so, we feel that freedom for what we really want, which is is the dessert. And that's what happens very often with all elements of restraint. Restraint is that we're making room. We're, we're saying no, do not to things that aren't feeding us, aren't nutritional for us to make room for the things that we really care about the most. Yeah. And you have to be a little bit mindful of that moment when you no longer say, you know, when you're practicing restraint and just allow yourself to sit in that. And then we can be mindful and pay attention because new things will sprout out of that without us even knowing, you know, the example from history about when polygamy became no longer acceptable. It just happened over time. Naturally, there were all these innovations where people were redirecting their energy in another way. Yep. So actions, the power of restraint with actions. What would you say about this one? Well, uh, this can play in a lot of different areas. It's, again, something to personalize. But uh, I realize that for a lot of people, uh, impulsiveness is something that... Uh, is part of their lives. It can be impulsiveness in terms of how they act in in their at work with other people. It can play into the impulsiveness that they have with words. It can be impulsive shopping. It can be impulsive eating. It can be any number of actions, often ones that are not necessarily wrong in and of themselves, but those actions are precluding other things. Those actions are sending us down paths that have an impact on who we are and the types of lives lives that uh, that we live. Either because, okay, well, we're now buying a lot of things that we don't need that are cluttering our houses and putting us in debt, or they might be actions that are opening our minds and our hearts up to bad things, these actions become paths, and the paths take us to destinations that we don't want to be at. And so trying to identify, are are there some actions that I need to restrain myself from? For instance, and this is a little bit of a moralistic one, and I'm not trying to put it in there, but there... There might be actions of what we allow into our eyes, movies that we watch, websites that we go to, shopping sites or pornography if you wanted to go that direction. That's that voluntary choice to restrain ourselves that opens up the possibility for for life to happen. Yeah, and you know, the um, just an example of this would be consumerism. And one of the things we noticed over the pandemic is that 
when we had to restrain from going out to eat, when we had to restrain from all these activities, all this creative energy came out of that. People were baking bread, people were making art, all these things came out of that simply from redirecting the appetite to consume towards creating. And consumption and creativity kind of scratch the same itch. I, I notice sometimes if I'm just kind of having a bored Saturday, it even if I don't need anything, I might think, oh, it'd be fun to go shopping and buy a new shirt or a new blouse. And there's that's so fun and that's great, but if consuming, whether it's food or shopping or whatever, becomes excessive and without restraint, what we're doing is we're taking we're taking away the substance of who we are, which was meant to create, which is a really life-giving thing that we can do, is whenever we're cr creating something new, whether it's with your hands or with your mind or writing or with your words or even work around your house, there's something really validating about that, but it's the same itch you're scratching when you consume versus when you create. Right. And so one of the think the ways that uh, restraint is framed in, in Proverbs that's helpful, that's uh, perhaps counterintuitive, is we normally think of restraint as limiting freedom, constraining freedom. You know, how dare you tell me not to go out and shop for, for whatever it is. And yet I think properly thought of, uh, restraint is what enables freedom. You know, restraint is what creates the space for the things that we really most want to happen. And it's our lack of restraint, which is creating the uh, confusion and the clutter and consuming us so that we don't have uh, room for that. So think about it from this perspective, uh, a workaholic is a person who has no restraint around work. So they work 60 hours or 80 hours a week. They don't have any restraint. What is that holding back? That's not giving them freedom that they can just work 80 or 90 hours. It's, it's limiting their freedom for the things that matter. So that can apply to almost any area of, of life that... It's creating space. Restraint is the way of creating space for what matters, what we care about, what is the best of life while we are restraining ourselves from the mediocre or the bad. Yeah, I have this picture in my mind of a cage and a person in it. And when, it, when we have whatever it is we're into whether it's our words or shopping or addictions or whatever we're doing and we don't practice any restraint, those things run free and we are in the cage because they have encaged, enslaved us. We're sort of trapped. But when we take those, those things that we do and put limits around them and put them in the cage, then we get out of the cage and we have this freedom. Um, but I think when we don't put any limits or we don't put any restraints around these human impulses we have, then in a sense, we become subservient to them. Right. So let me throw out one more kind of category of actions that I think is, is very much worth saying, and that's uh, the actions of distraction. Um, if you go in any restaurant, and not to beat up smartphone use, but if you go into almost any restaurant 
every person that's not completely occupied and usually people that are occupied have their phones out and are completely consumed by their phones. Uh, Every minute of the day for so many people is consumed in social media or YouTube or, you know, any number of other activities. We've allowed our conversations to be consumed by, uh, by politics or consumed by COVID. And all of that stuff is not giving us life. And unless we learn to so, show some restraint for these forces which want to entrap us, just like you said, we're the ones losing as we give ourselves over to the freedom of social media or whatever the case is. If we showed some restraint, we'd find the space for the things that we most want. Yeah, this past year, one of the things I've noticed is that the political world, which used to have some parameters around it, you know, you could go places and have conversations that weren't about the political world. You could go see a movie, you could go um, to school, you have all these different arenas that were not particularly political. And now what's happened is that everywhere you go, the pandemic and the political contention and contentiousness permeates every institution, every place you go, and there's no limits to it. And what happens is we we can't get away from it. And so it, it really is taking up all that space in our brain that could be used, you know, it's appropriate to think about it in some categories, but to have it permeate our entire lives is is too much. So let me, I'll throw out one hack that's worth the whole podcast episode. So everybody needs to pause now and actually listen if you're doing something because this one is genius and it comes from Tiger Woods. Uh, Tiger Woods uh, loves to play golf with passion, which includes uh, anger. So he's developed what he calls the 10-foot rule. And the 10-foot rule says that after he hits a bad shot, he allows his temper to do whatever it's going to do up to 10 feet from wherever that shot was hit. And then he has to let it go. So he lets his temper flare and then 10 feet from that, it's behind him. And I think that's restraint. It's saying, I'm going to allow myself some anger, but I'm not going to allow that anger to rule the rest of the round because I have other shots to hit. And we can apply that to politics. We could apply that to a COVID conversation. We could apply that to social media to have our form of the 10-foot rule. Okay, I'm going to allow myself to do that for 10 feet or for 10 seconds or for 10 minutes, whatever. And we're choosing a restraint. We're choosing to say, I'm going to allow it, but I'm going to restrain it to its proper place. Okay, so let's apply that to social media or reading the news. So the 10-foot rule would be, I'm going to read the news in the morning and one more time at dinner, but I'm not going to read it all day. What would be an example of an email addiction or social media addiction? How do we apply the 10-foot rule there? Well, I think it's really personal. It's what, what do you want? What is the place that you want those things to have in your life? But restraint says I'm going to restrain it to a certain amount of minutes or a certain amount of pickups or a certain time of day. And you restrain yourself, uh, hopefully using some type of system to make it automatic so you're not always tempted 
buy it. It might be, okay, I'm going to restrain myself and not take my phone in when I go out to a meal. Um, so, you know, I've talked about like in, in, in my book, having zones, you know, technology free zones, and it feels so constricting and yet it's absolutely so freeing to have that kind of restraint. So there's no one thing that works for everybody. It's what do you want for that to have? What place do you want for that to have in your life? Whether it's almost none or it's some meaningful place, but it's not everywhere. That's what restraint's about. Well, I like the idea of identifying whether it's words, actions, or thoughts, something that is sort of run amok. It's sort of like a, a vine that has taken over in your garden. And you want to cut it back. You don't want to get rid of it, but you want to put it in its proper place. Identifying that and then creating your 10-foot rule for it. Right. And so, you know, when we get, uh, there, there are a lot of categories that fall kind of in between actions and thoughts. Like I've realized that uh, impatience is kind of a natural fallback place for me at times. And it's not something that I want. And so I've learned to try to be aware of that and restrain that, which Proverbs talks about, uh, you know, not letting an offense, not letting yourself be easily offended. And it's kind of a restraint on uh, on my impatience, uh, a restraint on my frustration, on my temper, almost like uh, Tiger Wood says that that's not the way I want to act with my family. Mm -hmm. So just beginning to say, I'm going to say no to that so I can say yes to being nice, yeah. being kind, <laughs> having fun with people. Uh, because usually all those things that I'm impatient aren't worth the impatience. Well, that's great. I really love this idea. I mean, even just if there are two takeaways, even um, just the title of this episode, the power of restraint, not the limits of restraint, but the power of restraint. And so the idea is that by restraining, we're unleashing some power that we have inherent in us. And then secondly, how do we practice that restraint? Not by getting rid of things that we enjoy, not by getting rid of things we do, words, thoughts, actions, but by putting boundaries around that with this 10-foot rule that Tiger Woods t talks about and applying that in different areas. Well, and so I, I think there is a lot of power on this concept, but it will not apply unless we think of you know, one or two specific places to try to practice this. And we talk about practice in other episodes. We talk about simple goals, and we just did a series on simple habits. And this is a, a, almost a way of framing this, of saying, instead of taking this whole concept of restraint and figuring out how it reorients all of life, figure out one or two places. It might be words, it might be thoughts, it might be an action that you want to restrain and see if you can both reframe that sense of do not, reframe that restraint, and then start to practice that restraint in those one or two areas. Then you can introduce other areas and see how empowering it is in the totality of life. That's great. And I would love to hear back from people who might try this in a certain area. And I'm, I'm really curious when you practice restraint, 
what grows out of that place? What's the new thing that comes when you're no longer, you know, living or doing that thing without any um, boundaries? So I'm I'm just curious what comes out of that. So thanks everyone for listening and um, we'll be back soon. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you found it helpful and encouraging in your journey. Before you leave, I wanted to let you know of two things. First, if you are looking for more helpful content like this, visit TommyThompson.org. There you will find resources created to help you find space in your life. Second, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would take a minute to leave a review. This helps other people find the show as well. 